Volume Two, Chapter Twelve of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Stevens. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Why by Maine Reed. Volume Two, Chapter Twelve. Making Ready for the Road. Having reached his hotel, Captain Rycroft seeks neither rest nor sleep but stays awake for the remainder of the night. The first portion of his time he spends in gathering up his impedimenta, and packing. Not a heavy task. His luggage is light according to the simplicity of a soldier's wants, and as an old campaigner he is not longing making ready for the route. His fishing-tackle gun-case and portmanteau, with an odd bundle or two of miscellaneous effects, are soon strapped and corded after which he takes a seat by a table to write out the labels. But now a difficulty occurs to him. The address. His name, of course. But what the destination? Up to this moment he has not thought of where he is going, only that he must go somewhere, away from the Y. There is no leith in that stream for memories like his. To his regiment he cannot return, for he has none now. Months since he ceased to be a soldier, having resigned his commission at the expiration of his leave of absence, partly in displeasure at being refused extension of it, but more because the attractions of the court and the grove had made those of the camp uncongenial. Thus his visit to Herefordshire has not only spoilt him as a salmon-fisher, but put an end to his military career. Fortunately he was not dependent on it, for Captain Rycroft is a rich man, and yet he has no home he can call his own the ten latest years of his life having been passed in Hindostan. Dublin is his native place, but what would or could he now do there? His nearest relatives are dead, his friends few, his schoolfellows long since scattered, many of them as himself, waifs upon the world. Besides, since his return from India, he has paid a visit to the capital of the Emerald Isle, where, finding all so changed, he cares not to go back, at least for the present." whither then one place looms upon the imagination almost naturally as home itself the metropolis of the world he will proceed thither though not there to stay only to use it as a point of departure for another metropolis the french one in that focus and centre of gaiety and fashion milestrom of dissipation he may find some relief from his misery if not happiness little hope has he but it may be worth the trial, and he will make it. So determining, he takes up the pen, and is about to put London on the labels. But as an experienced strategist, who makes no move with undue haste and without due deliberation, he sits a while longer considering. Strange as it may seem, and a question for psychologist, a man thinks best upon his back. Better still with a cigar between his teeth, powerful help to reflection. Aware of this, Captain Rycroft lights a weed, and looks around him. He is in his sleeping apartment, where, besides the bed, there is a sofa, horsehair cushion and squab hard as stones, the orthodox hotel article. Along this he lays himself, and smokes away furiously. Spitefully, too, for he is not now thinking of either London or Paris. He cannot yet. The happy past, the wretched present, are too soul-absorbing to leave room for speculations of the future. The fond rage of love is still active within him. 
is it to blight his life's bloom leaving him an age all winters or is there yet a chance of reconciliation can the chasm which angry words have created be bridged over no not without confession of error abject humiliation on his part which in his present frame of mind he is not prepared to make will not could not never he exclaims plucking the cigar from between his lips but soon returning it to continue the train of his reflections whether from the soothing influence of the nicotine or other cause his thoughts after a time became more tranquillized their hue sensibly changed as betokened by some muttered words which escape him after all i may be wronging her if so may god forgive as i hope he will pity me for if so i am less deserving forgiveness and more to be pitied than she as in ocean's storm between the rough surging billows foam crested are spots of smooth water so in thought's tempest are intervals of calm it is during one of these he speaks as above and continuing to reflect in the same strain things if not quite couleur de rose assume a less repulsive aspect gwen wynne may have been but dissembling playing with him and he would now be contented ready even rejoiced to accept it in that sense i to the abject humiliation that but the moment before he had so defiantly rejected so reversed his sentiments now modified from mad anger to gentle forgiveness he is almost in the act of springing to his feet tearing the straps from his packed paraphernalia and letting all loose again but just at this crisis he hears the town clock tolling six and voices in conversation under his window it is a hit of gossip between two stablemen attaches of the hotel an ostler and fly-driver he had a big time last night at langoran says the former inquiringly ay that ye may say returns the jarvey with a strongly accentuated hiccup telling of heel-taps never knowed a bigger as help me wine running in rivers as if twas only table beer and the best kind o't too i'm so full of french champagne i feel most like bustin she be a grand gal that miss wynne ain't she of course is one of the grandest but she ain't going to be a girl long by what i heerd them say in the servants all she's soon to be broke into pair horse harness we you the son of sir george shenstone a good match they'll make i should say tighter chap than he never stepped inside this yard many's the time he's tipped me there is more of the same sort but captain ryecroft does not hear it the men having moved off beyond earshot in all likelihood he would not have listened had they stayed for again he seems to hear those other words that last spiteful rejoinder yes let it his own spleen returning in all its keen hostility he springs upon his feet hastily steps back to the table and writes on the slip of parchment mr vivian ryecroft passenger to london g w r he cannot attach them till the ink gets dry and while waiting for it to do so his thoughts undergo still another revulsion again leading him to reflect whether he may not be in the wrong and acting inconsiderately rashly in fine he resolves on a course which had not hitherto occurred to him he will write to her not in repentance nor any confession of guilt on his part he is too proud and still too doubting for that only a test letter to draw her out 
and if possible discover how she too feels under the circumstances upon the answer if he receive one will depend whether it is to be the last with pen still in hand he draws a sheet of note-paper towards him it bears the hotel stamp and name so that he has no need to write an address only the date this done he remains for a time considering thinking what he should say the larger portion of his manhood's life spent in camp under canvas not the place for cultivating literary tastes or epistolatory style he is at best an indifferent correspondent and knows it but the occasion supplies thoughts and as a soldier accustomed to prompt brevity he puts them down quickly and briefly as a campaigning dispatch with this he does not wait for the ink to dry but uses the blotter he dreads another change of resolution folding up the sheet he slips it into an envelope on which he simply superscribes miss wynn langoran court then rings a bell the hotel servants are now astir and directs the letter to be dropped into the post-box he knows it will reach her that same day at an early hour and its answer him should one be vouchsafed on the following morning it might that same night at the hotel where he is now staying but not the one to which he is going as his letter tells the langham london and while it is being slowly carried by a pedestrian postman along hilly roads towards langoran he seated in a first-class carriage of the g w r is swiftly whisked towards the metropolis end of volume two chapter twelve